Hello and welcome to the Living Hope Wesleyan podcast. If you would like more information about Living Hope Wesleyan Church, please visit our website at hopeforvermont.org. As well as if you're enjoying these podcasts, check out the live streams at Hope for Vermont on YouTube. I hope you enjoy today's podcast. Let's go to Jesus now. And Jesus, we say thank you that you love us, that you know us, that you hear us, and that you care about us. We thank you, God, that you have a plan and that you have a purpose and we can walk this breath and take the next step and enjoy your love and to know that you are pleased with us. And Father, we know that you convict and you help and you restore and you reconcile and you redeem and you make new. So Jesus, may we be new each moment as your mercies are new every morning. We thank you, God, and we do pray. And we ask that you'd be even more merciful. And as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, that we believe you can keep us alive, but even if you choose not to, our lives are meant for you. So God, we say thank you because we have faith in the one that is faithful. We love you, Jesus, and thank you for loving us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. And um, if you missed it, I just uh, thank Kellen White for uh, the devotional that we uh, listened to played pre-service. And you can find that on YouTube, Living Hope Wesleyan Church. YouTube is Living Hope Wesleyan Church. And Pastor Kenny uploaded the content to the podcast, Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts. Living Hope Wesleyan. Again, the podcast, Living Hope Wesleyan on Apple iTunes or Google Podcasts. And yes, I am standing today instead of sitting because, well, I think it's good for my posture, but I also, uh, not that I was getting winded, but as we go and have been in person now, standing instead of seated, I just need to get my legs under me. And uh, getting my legs under us, uh, congratulations to Todd Carey and Mike Chick, co-champions Yesterday at the men's golf outing, a lot of fun. It was Josh Mugford's birthday. If you see Josh, say happy belated birthday. He turned 31. Yeah, Josh, 31. Three kids, married to Leah, hard to believe, good guy. And uh, so happy birthday to him. But that was a lot of fun to uh, be able to get out, play golf. Uh, Some guys that come to church, some guys that don't come to church, some guys that believe in God, some guys that are just wondering if if God is trustworthy. And so we get to show God on the golf course uh, and in the middle of frustration, hopefully we did a good good job at that. Well, as we continue, uh, we're in Colossians. In Colossians 1, last week, we read about Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. So Paul was in prison when he wrote this, and Timothy helped him uh, construct this and deliver this to a church that he had never attended, to a people, a congregation that he had never met. And so Paul is writing with Timothy, and Paul writes, and I just uh, think again about how when you are being dictated to uh, and taking notes from someone, how you have your own thoughts. And uh, Timothy, he of course wrote um First Timothy 4.12, yes, where it says, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers in speech, life, or conduct, in love, faith, and purity. And I can imagine that uh, Timothy is echoing this now um, to us, to the students that are returning, that 
to the teachers that are going back to us as Christians, that we would set an example for the believers first in speech, life, or conduct, love, faith, and purity. And so as the students return, we just say we're praying for you. We uh, trust that you are doing well and uh, that this will be a tremendous school year for you. Uh, last week, we talked about to God's holy people of Colossae. This is Paul writing from prison again to the church of the people where he had never met, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. Grace and peace to you from God our Father. How he opens, how he begins with grace. Grace is greater than the law. Now, I'm not talking about obeying the speed limit law. I'm talking about the Old Testament law that said you had to do certain things. You had to perform a certain way. You had to act in a particular manner. God is saying grace is greater. And Paul is writing to these faithful brothers and sisters in a church, in a congregation that he's never met. Not with the rules of doctrine that you have to do, but saying that grace and peace to you. That you need to understand that grace that God's love covers a multitude of sin, not how you obey through strict manipulation of thinking you can control God because you do the right things, but understand that God's grace has covered us, that we walk forgiven because we are known by him and we can make him known. The only way to do that, to understand that grace is greater than the, than the law, is John 15, 5, where it says, Jesus says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. This is the reminder that for we died and our life is now hidden with Christ and God. This is how we are holy. This is how we can walk in a grace-filled life that we can know that we are hidden with Christ and God because we are a part of the vine. And Kintsuji, Kintsuji, we discussed this last week and closed with this about broken pottery in Japan is not thrown out, or probably some of it is, but there's other broken pottery that people recognize the value and they don't just return the value of it or some of the value of it, but they add gold to it. So it becomes more valuable. That what well, I would say, I suggested that God is seen through our brokenness, through the cracks of our life, that we allow God to forgive our sins, to come in to where we're tempted, to where we have proclivities, to where we fall and fail. And God wants to restore and make new, not that we have the same value, but with Jesus and how he connects us and binds us together back to him, we have even more value in who Jesus is, Kintsuji. I think that's a great reminder and a representation of a broken life, but what God does with pure gold, he makes us new and more valuable. As we continue Colossians 1, 13 through 14, for he rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. He rescued us, that's what Jesus did, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness, of sins. And we move on this week. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Colossians 1.15. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He's the visible image of the invisible God. Jesus is the one that lived a certain way and acted in a manner that we need to learn from, that we need to exemplify, that we need to uh, enact in our own lives, that we would act in that same fashion. 
This is from Billy Graham. Can you see God? You haven't seen him. I've never seen the wind. I see the effects of the wind, but I've never seen the wind. There's a mystery to it. Can you see God? Well, can you see the wind? And Billy Graham, again, says, I've never seen the wind. I see the effects of the wind. See the effects of the wind. We see the effects of God at work, but we read the Bible. We look at ancient history. We see the other writings, not only of Josephus, but of others that witness to the account of a man that did miraculous things that was falsely accused twice and brutally beaten and hung on a cross and killed, that he was buried and that his remains have never been found. This is the example that we follow, a Jesus whose remains have never been found. Don't you believe that would have been documented if that had happened? And that has never been true. So Jesus, he's the He's the presence. He's the visible reality of the invisible God. Colossians 1.16, we find these words, For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created in him and for him. This is Jesus, for through him God created him. God created him. God created life through Jesus and not just creation as I do believe in intelligent design. I believe that the Bible account is true. I believe that God created this world, this universe, this place that we know and we discover more. I don't discover, but scientists and people much smarter than me discover new things because God had great intelligent design and he made all of these things happen. But also, the afterlife, the eternal life, the life that we live knowing that Jesus died for our sins so we don't have to live in guilt and shame, but we can live in victory and with purpose and passion to go after who God was because God is the Son of God. This is, well, familiar. Pray like this, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need. This is from the New Living Translation. And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And do not let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Matthew 6.10, on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus, the representation of the invisible God, the very presence here on earth, the example for us. And some might be saying, well, Jeff, don't you know in Isaiah it talks about God is so far above us. God is so much wiser than us. Because in Isaiah 55, 8 through 9, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways. My ways declares the Lord. Verse 9, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Could you just believe, don't you just imagine, based on the example of Jesus who's will was to do the will of the Father, whose desire, whose passion, whose purpose, whose plan for his life was to do the will of the Father. And I would suggest to us that our purpose is to do the will of the Father. So we make his thoughts and his ways, our thoughts and his ways. By the example, the power and the presence of Jesus, we take his thoughts and his ways. We learn to apply them to our life. So we remove 
what we thought was right, to learn what is right. We move the bad habits out of our lives, from our lives, from our thinking, so we can have those good habits, those positive habits that God has for us. Not to say that he's so distant, but to know that he loves us so much that he wants us to know that's why he gave us his very son, Jesus, that we could learn from him. In Colossians 1, 17 through 21, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. We must be with Christ in God, hidden with Christ in God. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning of the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. He might have ownership. We surrender to him. We deny ourselves because he has something better for us. I am reluctant to share it because now you will know, and they say if you make things public, it's good accountability. Good accountability unless you don't follow through, which I have had the habit of doing. But I'm meeting with a personal trainer on Monday because I want to improve, because I want to get some things in order. I gained nearly eight and a half pounds when we were in Michigan for two weeks because I like to eat. And I fell and I thought I broke my wrist a few months ago. But ever since that injury, I have not done anything. And yes, my wrist was hurt, not my leg. So I could have run. I could have done many things, air squats, as my daughter uh, tries to get me to do. But I politely decline. But you get your house in order because people are saying, as a coach is instructing, if you do these things, then your desired outcome has a better opportunity to happen if you are consistent with doing these things, then you are going to be more likely to experience the success of that desired outcome that you want. And God is saying that he is supreme as we surrender to him, as reveals truth to us through his word, the Bible, through his spirit, the presence of God speaking to us through sermons, through Christians, through interactions in a life group. We understand that we can change because God wants us to change to become more like him. We submit to his supremacy. We submit to who he is. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, to dwell in Jesus. For God was pleased to live in Christ. God was pleased to live in Christ. Are we pleased to be hidden with Christ in God? Are we okay if people don't see us? If we have a great idea that God told us and so we tell somebody else and they implement it and then who we told, they get all of the credit for us. When God told us first, we were just sharing it with somebody else and it resonated with what God already was telling that person that he had called to do it and so that they performed a certain task or used by God. So we aren't even seen. We aren't even brought up in the conversation, but they get all the credit. Are we okay with being hidden with Christ and God? And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. This is through him, Jesus, God reconciled everything. God is making us new. God is forgiving our sins. God is seeing what we have done in obedience to him. God does not want to give us credit, so to speak, as we want credit here on earth. Give me a raise. Give me a title. Give me a promotion. Give me a reward. God is just saying, I see you. 
your faithfulness, your obedience. I actually see that you are looking more and more like my son, Jesus, the visible representation of me, the invisible God. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Because of your evil behavior, you were once enemies. And isn't it a great understanding that Jesus died for all to know him, his enemies, those that would kind of question and want and desire and try him out, and those that would submit and surrender their lives to him. Jesus died that all would know his love, his forgiveness, his truth, his healing, his clean slate, his new life. Jesus died that we would all know because we were all enemies. And fortunately, some of us, we have decided to choose Jesus. And if you're watching, listening, you can choose Jesus now and say, Jesus, I need you. Something deep within my core knows that I need you. I need the forgiveness of sins. I cannot try harder. I cannot do more. I myself am not smart enough to figure out a way. So I choose to submit, surrender my life that you would be known, you would be seen, that your life would come and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Jesus said, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemies. Maybe this is the whole point. Maybe this is the relevant part of the sermon. The message is love your enemies. Love those that look different than you, vote different than you. And I'll be specific. Over the last year and a half, two years, whatever it's been, We've seen social injustice and unrest. We've seen black people killed and murdered. And people would say, well, I believe everybody counts. Don't you know that police officers get killed and murdered? Don't you know that refugees get killed and murdered? And I say, yes. And that's why we love all people, that God wants us to be like him and love and give our lives and sacrifice that all would know that he cares about them. Don't just say that I love all people. Say who is hurting and I want to identify with you in this moment. I want to come alongside with you and show empathy and in this very time of need to be there with you to bear one another's burdens. I want to love you though you might look different. You might think different. You might act different. You might Hate me, I choose to love you because Jesus loved me. Maybe it's in your politics and you wanted somebody else to be the president or you want someone else to be the new president or you want the governor or whatever the case might be. And you unfriend people on social media. You do not meet with them to have coffee or conversations because you are so upset and frustrated and nervous that they're just going to bring up that they voted for someone that you didn't. And Jesus is saying, love your enemies, care for them, show them his truth. And maybe perhaps as we live like Jesus lives, that will win them over to the fact that Jesus changed their lives beyond our opinion, beyond what we want, our agenda, our desires to show that he loves them and he has new life for them, not so that they will vote like us in the future, but they will know eternal life now in a way that they share eternal life with others in this present day. We move on. 
in this chapter, and it says that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Interesting timing as it's 828 and we have our 9 a.m. in-person worship gathering scheduled for outdoors in 32 minutes. And it is raining outside. And in my humanness, I'm like, God, couldn't you have waited for the rain to happen until 10? Couldn't you just wait one hour? Couldn't you just wait one hour for the rain to happen? And he sends his rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. So we'll we'll figure something, figure something out. It's interesting how timing. They say the Bible isn't relevant. Well, I think it certainly applies to every aspect of our life. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? We just love because they love us back. Anybody can do that. If we want people to know that Jesus is real, that Jesus is true, that we desire him more than anything, well, we can love those that hate us, that persecute us, that falsely say lies about us. That's a double negative. That falsely say things about us, that lie about us. We can love them and show that God is for them. And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And that perfection, that holiness, means that we are hidden with Christ and God. That people see Jesus, that God sees Jesus, his sacrifice, his forgiveness of our sins, instead of seeing us, that we are hidden with Christ in God. Colossians 1.22, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. You stand before him without a single fault. You stand before God without a single fault fault. And I just want to conclude and look forward for shadowing to a couple of chapters ahead. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. This is Colossians 3, 1 through 4. Colossians 3, 1 through 4. Verse 2, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Make his thoughts your thoughts. Make his ways your ways. Think about such things, the things that he meditates on, the things that he cares for, the things that he loves. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. You will also appear with him in glory, that people would see Jesus, that people would see his life and not our best efforts, that people would see that he cares about us, that he cares about our hurts, our struggles, that he has a plan for our life. We recognize, hopefully, that God wants us to have a coach, not just a cheerleader. A great coach knows how and when to cheerlead, but even more, he knows how to take us from the current position we are in to the desired outcome that we want, that he wants the best for us. So as we close this time, we are grateful to who Jesus is. We are 
considering it pure joy when we face trials of many kinds because we believe his word is true that it's developing something, a resolve, a resilience, a perseverance in us that we would know him in his fullness in such pain that he would be the pure gold that unites those cracked and broken pottery pieces to bring them back together that we would know him and who he is that we would love him and we would serve others so that they might know him as well. The Bible is pretty powerful. I encourage you to read Colossians. There's four chapters. You could read a chapter a day or you could read all four chapters every day this week. But I feel, I believe, I encourage you to be encouraged by the conviction of who Jesus is, but by the reality that we are hidden with him in God, that we are lifted up, that we are forgiven and made new and alive. And we can trust that his plan is not just better, but it is the best. So, Jesus, may we learn to surrender and submit, to obey and to follow you, not just to believe, but to believe to the point where we make changes in our own lives that we would love you and love our enemies and serve others, that they might know you. And we would know through experience that you have created us for a great purpose. We thank you, Jesus, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like more information about Living Hope Wesleyan Church, make sure to visit hopeforvermont.org. As well as don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel at Living Hope Wesleyan Church, where you can catch live stream versions of these services as well as other content. Have a great day.